Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to 20s Are Hard, our fortnightly podcast on surviving your 20s. How have you been, my dear? What have you been up to? Hasn't it been lovely to have a long bank holiday weekend? Oh, so lovely. And also, it's really, it's such a nice feeling to know that you only have a four-day week at work as well. And I worked from home yesterday. Just dreamy all around. Oh, it's like a three-day week for you, kind of. Hope no one from your job listens to that. Oh, no. (laughs) because I didn't have a commute and for me the commute is the worst part like it not commuting yesterday added four and a half hours of like time to do stuff to my day that's crazy oh I woke up at the same time but instead of like having to like rush and run for a train I could actually like have a nice shower and work out and all that kind of thing so it 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 does make a massive difference to my week so it's like it's still a four-day week but it's less stressful than a normal four-day week (laughs) What did you do for your bank holiday? Um, I just went home. I had a really nice weekend with family at home because mum and dad have been jet setting around Cambodia and Thailand. Um, yeah. And yeah, so they came back this weekend and my brother came up from Plymouth as well. So all four of us were back together and that was just really nice to kind of have some downtime at home with family. And yeah, it was lovely. What about you? What did I do Saturday? I, I'll be honest, I feel like I crawled to the finish line on Friday. Like I feel like <laughs> at the end of Friday, I was, I was struggling. <laughs> I was so tired. I just had like such a crazy busy few weeks. So Saturday, I was just like, right, I've got nothing in my diary. I had a day at home and I basically did all of the life admin I needed to do. Like I did all of that stuff, like when you've got to clear out your wardrobe and, you know, all that kind of thing. It was really good. So by the end of Saturday, I felt a lot better about life. Oh, it's such a good <laughs> feeling getting all that stuff done. And then I kind of on Sunday, it was my mum's birthday um, and it was a big birthday. I won't say the number because um, I was told off on several occasions for mentioning it over the weekend. <laughs> Um, I was like shit if I mention it again I'm not making it to my birthday so but we decided to take her away for it so we went to Whitstable for the day Aww. which is really lovely and then we drove on to Canterbury which isn't far and we stayed in the most gorgeous Airbnb um it was just so cute and really really cozy and it was one of those places that even though it was a very small um it didn't feel really small like there was plenty of room and we watched this is actually taking me to her recommendation. Um, we watched Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh, my God. Which is my first recommendation for the week. If you're happy to move on to recommendations, that is. Oh, I am. Absolutely. But um, I just, I never really liked the first Mamma Mia film. Like, I'm a massive ABBA fan. You know how I love ABBA. We all love ABBA. Oh, yes. Oh. I don't, I just, oh. Don't get me started, basically, on my love for ABBA. Um, but I didn't love the first Mamma Mia movie. I thought it was a bit cheesy and it kind of made me cringe. I didn't really like it. And I hadn't, I had no intention of going to see Here We Go Again. Because I was like, nope, I don't like the first one. But the first one came out 10 years ago. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was like, it's probably time that I revisited it. So I watched it a few weeks ago. And I enjoyed it more. Pierce Brosnan still can't sing and it was still very cringy. No, I cannot. That's that's the sole reason I don't actually enjoy watching that movie because he makes him cringe so, so much. But I, I powered through it and then we had, this is this is like a total tangent, but basically I watched Here We Go Again a couple of weeks ago on my own and just absolutely loved it. And then on Sunday night we were on Now TV and I was like, let's watch Here We Go Again. And my mum and sister were a bit like... <laughs> fine well let's go for it like we couldn't decide on a movie and I was like abba 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 um and they both loved it like it was just well I don't know if my sister loved it as much as me and my mum did 
but then I was singing ABBA all evening. So yeah, I really recommend the film, whether or not you love ABBA. It's just fun, it's just light-hearted, and it's, if nothing else, it's good to put you in a better mood, really. So yeah, what's your first recommendation? Uh, my first recommendation is um, a TV series. It was originally on BBC Two, but I didn't watch it then. It's actually on Netflix now, which is how I started watching it. Um, my brother introduced me to it at the weekend. Did you ever watch Black Mirror? No, because I was worried it would make me scared because I'm a complete baby. <laughs> well, this isn't. It isn't like Black Mirror, but the f- kind of the structure is the same. So it's lots of um, like. Each episode is a standalone story. Um, like It's almost like an anthology, like a collection of different stories with different parts oh, yeah. every time. Um, and they're all like, they do have like a dark side to them, but it's, it's like dark comedy almost. Like the first episode takes place almost entirely inside a cupboard. Like... <laughs> you can't see the face I'm pulling right now but I don't look convinced <laughs> no it's like the first the first episode wasn't my favorite the the second one was there is no speech in the entire episode and it's almost like this farcical thing where these two robbers are trying to steal a piece of art and sneaking around this man's house and making sure he doesn't catch them and like it's and it's like all kind of mimed and stuff and it, they are so I'm not explaining it well enough to sell it but it's called inside number nine and each like house or place that they're in it's like the building is number nine and um they're just so cleverly done and I didn't really didn't expect to enjoy it but they're so they're so different and so varied and just weird if you're looking for slight something slightly different I would really recommend watching them okay I feel like maybe I'd have to very much be in the mood for that. But, you know, I, I could I could think about it. I would say definitely watch episode two of season one first. Like, that's that's a very engaging episode. And that's the best thing, because they're, because they're individual stories in each episode, you don't need to watch them all in order. Okay, I quite like that. Because they're literally completely different stories. Like, some of them are set almost, like, slightly into the past in like the 80s or the 90s and then some are obviously like modern day and like different places in the world yeah it's really really clever so I really enjoyed that it's good um do you have a second recommendation my other recommendation is an article and I got this article via um Anna Newton's newsletter so Anna from the Anna edit does a newsletter that comes out on the first of every month and it's a really good newsletter like she always does a nice little um like few hundred words on something and then she'll recommend some article she's loved that month or like a recipe or something like that and one of them was this one on theatlantic.com um and the title is the instagram aesthetic is over um and it was really interesting to read because it's basically saying how users of instagram are sick and tired of the same kind of mass-produced images and how a year or two ago it was the thing to find those Instagramable walls and, you know, you could stand in front of a pink wall and take a picture. And I, the one that sprung to my mind was the one outside Paul Smith in LA, um, which everyone always takes a photo of when they're there. Weirdly, I don't actually think I know what that is. I'm going to have to Google it now. Um, I'll send you a picture of it because you probably will recognise it. Um, and basically, the article just goes on to say that people are sick of that and people you know people get bored of trends and that in itself has been a micro trend to have everyone's images very much looking the same and looking polished and looking very um perfected and almost an editorial look yeah but Gen Z 
and we are not part of Gen Z, and this makes me feel old. Um, but Gen Z basically aren't into that, and they're, they're taking a very different approach to it, and it's a much kind of fresher, kind of more realistic, down-to-earth, um, more hashtag authentic look at things. And it, re- it was really interesting um, to read, because I think it's something I've definitely been feeling recently. I've been heading towards content by people who just are a little bit more unfiltered and are a bit less like perfect. It's not all as staged and all that kind of thing. And whilst I think there definitely is still a place for that and I still follow those accounts and it's engaging for a different reason, it's quite nice to know that kind of that, um, what's it called, like the fourth wall is coming down a little bit. Yeah. So kind of less Instagram walls and pop-up stores and all this kind of thing. See, I... I agree with that. I, in the sense that I hate seeing the same thing. Like my God, if I see that blue dome in Santorini on my feed one more bloody time, and you see the same thing over and over again. But I actually think Instagram um, has a preference for that. I actually think the Instagram algorithm favors those like Insta spots because. Every time I post something that's like not a very well-known place or like my outdoorsy ones or like something different, it takes a dive. If I post a picture of me in some tulip fields, which are currently very on trend, then they do well. And I'm really interested to see what happens when I post pictures from New York, because I just feel like it's almost like it's a location thing and people just continue to like and really like just people just seem to really engage with those exact same images over and over again. I'm not seeing the shift away from them. That's interesting. Cause I, I do wonder that because if I, if I hash, like if I not hashtag, so if I add my location as London, my photo will do a lot better than if I'm in Sheffield in the photo. Yeah. Is tagged Sheffield. Mine's exactly the same. My London photos that, do way better. I think that plays a part. But I think the other thing they're saying in this article is it's not just about the location. Um, but also about the actual photo itself and the type of like the how you've taken the photo. They've interviewed someone in the article. Um, they've called her Claire. That's not her real name um, because she's fifteen. So they've obviously not used her real name. Yeah. But she just says avocado toast and posts on the beach. It's so generic and played out at this point. You can Photoshop any girl into that background, and it will be the same post. It's not cool anymore to be manufactured. Yeah. I thought it was quite interesting. I think it's that thing of like every photo you take has to be within a theme and a grid and I'm guilty of it and at the same time I don't want to say I'm guilty of it because I don't think it's a it's not necessarily something to feel guilt about because for me I enjoy that kind of creative editorial process of it but I think that's the thing if you are being creative and doing something original whether it's the way you edit it or whether it's the way you're framing it or whatever it is I think if you can bring some individuality to the image then that's different like yeah I think it is just people thinking they have to fit into a certain box and someone actually commented on one of my pictures the other day and they said this is the first time I've seen a picture of a girl in jeans in the tulip fields thank you for sharing god I hadn't even thought of that it's so true though I thought, yeah how apart from me and you who else have I seen that was wearing trousers in those fields that's just because we'd have fallen off a bike in a dress, but it's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought, God, for someone to have picked up on that and how stereotypical it is to have had all like these just flowing dresses in all of these pictures, it's obviously having an impact on people and what they perceive. 
it's interesting that it started to be noted. Yeah. And that there is that trend towards it. I just wonder whether or not Instagram as a platform will reward that kind of imperfection and that different style in the same way as it's previously rewarded that very curated, um, perfected lifestyle and the whole idea of selling a lifestyle, not a thing. Yeah. What's your second recommendation? Um, My second recommendation is going to start off by sounding super boring, but it's for a reason that's really exciting and that leads on to our topic for today. Um, So there is an app called um, Grid Carbon and also a website called mygridgb.co.uk. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've been glued to it over this bank holiday weekend because for the first time in over a century, the UK has been without coal for 100 hours. And that was at the weekend. We're actually, we've now been without coal for a week. We turned off the coal power and we've been running off other sources of power since then, which is amazing. And I'm recommending these apps and that website because you can actually see it and you can track how energy is being used in the country in almost real time. So, so interesting. So interesting. I love that something like that, that you're right, it does sound a bit boring to begin with. And something that seems so far away from our everyday lives is being made more accessible. Because I think that's how you start these conversations. Like That's amazing. And I mean, you would love it because the infographics on the website, especially, are just incredible. But like, just even stats like this, like in 2016, we did 233 hours without coal so in a year that was all we did in 2017 it was 624 so it almost tripled last year it was just over 1800 and already this year we've done 1100 in and it's the start of may so like just the change to see that change over the years is amazing i definitely recommend people just checking it out and seeing how energy is actually being used in this country and the breakdown because it's there's, there's a lot that I didn't know on here until I was nerding out to, over it this weekend with my brother. Um, that is really exciting. And I, it does lead really nicely onto this week's topic, which is all about sustainability. This week, we really wanted to discuss sustainability, kind of the environment and how we're making some changes to live more sustainably. It's something that we're both really really starting to get more and more passionate about and it's something we've wanted to discuss for a while but like a lot of these topics um it's a meaty one there's a there can be a lot of controversy around things and if I'm honest I think maybe we've shied away from it a bit but it's something that we think is really really important and we really want to discuss more because we all know that climate change is a very serious concern it's happening we don't have the luxury of time to reverse it um and we all need to make more differences like little things in our day-to-day life that help the planet and ultimately will save the planet um but knowing where to start can be so overwhelming and so intimidating so we wanted to share some of the things we're doing and how we go about making those little changes yeah and i think you've hit on it right there it is it is the little things like it sounds so daunting you've got to save the planet like do your bit that's a lot of pressure but yeah. actually it is about making small changes in your in your day. And I think when we were discussing how we were going to do this episode, we actually realised how many of the things we already do, like how much we already have in our day 
obviously there's always more that people can do but we're already taking some steps which are are massive steps towards being more sustainable um but we do want to address the elephant in the room which is that we both do travel a lot and that means that we fly a lot and flying is it has such a huge impact on the environment so we're both aware that it does have a huge carbon footprint and at the moment that's something that we are trying to tackle i mean we both love to travel my boyfriend lives on the other side of the world flying is part of something that we love to do but as a consequence of that we are both trying to find other alternatives to try and offset that and tackle that and it is all about making those small changes and I don't know about you I've actually started um, paying that um, carbon offset admissions on my long-haul flights because I feel bad. Yeah so I didn't realise you could do it on short-haul flights but both of our flights to Portugal and back again have the offset um, and of course, I'm under no illusion that donating 60p to a charity, that's not going to yeah. you know, cancel out a flight, but it's better than not doing, like, it's better than not donating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because I think as much as we want to do all we can to help the planet, we also have to live our lives and it's not your sole responsibility to save the planet. Like it's not just down to you as an individual. Everyone has to do stuff. Big companies need to be held responsible. Um, so you, it's finding that balance between doing things in your everyday life that you can do that are achievable and accessible to you while still enjoying life. If we're talking about the little things that we can do in day-to-day life, that's everything from carrying a canvas bag around so when you do your shop you don't have to use a plastic bag, um, taking a shorter shower, making sure you turn the lights off when you leave the room, um just using only doing a clothes wash when you when you've got a full load to do rather than doing lots of little washes and the same with the dishwasher as well just thinking about that energy usage and all of the appliances in your house like they all have their own carbon footprint essentially yeah definitely and I think you know as with anything when it comes to sustainability unfortunately often the more sustainable choice is more expensive and being able to make that choice as a consumer is a privilege. Yeah. Uh, I think it was on the highlight they were discussing this and saying, you know, shopping sustainably is a privilege and it's not one that everyone has. But things like taking a shorter shower, turning off electricals, they are things that everyone can do. So even if some of the things we discussed just aren't within your budget or aren't accessible to you, hopefully there's still something you can take away. Yeah, and there's... I think the great thing is so many of these things are now becoming normal parts of people's lives. And that's exactly the way that we're going to make change by normalizing these things. So like, I I remember what, five, six, seven years ago, no one ever used their own coffee cup, where like tuck it into Starbucks or wherever. Now you see people doing it all the time. People take their own flasks into work rather than stopping it and getting a single use cup from whatever coffee chain. There's those changes now you see them so often that they become normalized and that's how it should be and that's just because people are becoming more aware of being sustainable yeah it's similar to straws as well like a couple of years ago you would get given a straw and you wouldn't think about it because you're like oh it's just one straw but you know if you and I think like I read something the other day that was like it's just one straw said you and 800,000 other people yeah that's so true and I, when I went out for lunch on um, Monday, the restaurant we went to had a really brilliant piece on their menu that basically said, we're not going to give you a straw. 
um, because plastic straws are awful for the environment. We have paper straws, but as a small business, they cost us three times more than a plastic straw. Oh my God. And they're like, we can't afford to just hand them out wherever. And also there is still obviously an implication of using a paper straw. Um, So if you really want one, please ask me, we'll give you one, but please understand why we're doing this. And I was like, that's the kind of stuff people need to be saying, because I think at first companies might think, oh, well, you know, if we give people a paper straw, they'll kick off. Most people don't care. Oh God, yeah, I don't care. And actually that, I was like, I really like they've taken that stand. And you're right, is those swaps like having, I've now got reusable straws in the house, but you know, when I have my Aperol in the summer. Yeah. And I have my metal reusable straw, um, which I'll admit that really grossed me out to begin with, but you can buy them with ones that come with pipe cleaners so you can clean them properly afterwards so you don't have to worry about the germs yeah. and the rust. Those are the ones I've got. Um, but another thing I've started to do a lot more of is, and this is the, the main reason for this wasn't the environment, I'll be honest. Um, I always take my lunch in Tupperware every day. The reason for that is because I have 101 like digestive problems and I can't eat a lot of food, so I can't really go out and buy lunch very easily. Um, so I always take my own food. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then I thought, well, I had to buy my lunch one day and I realised how much plastic was just in like a standard lunch that you buy. Yeah. Whether it's the box your salad comes in or the like the little box your sandwich like is stored in, you know, whether it's a packet of crisps. And I was like, God, like I've cut my plastic use down so, so much just by taking my own lunch. It also saves you a ton of money. Yeah. And I think because I do the same, I take my own lunch and I think the food like the changes that you can make to what you eat and how you shop for food are so significant like I actually read today when I was doing a little bit of research that you are better off get getting your um food shop delivered because although you feel like maybe you're actually being lazy that delivery van is taking that food to a certain area and it's stopping all of those people individually driving in their cars to the store yeah so something we always try to do because we don't have a car and we aren't near a food shop so we have to get our shopping delivered but what we always try and do is um, they do on Asda and they do it on a cardo as well where it shows you when the van will be in the area um and you can pick like a green slot it doesn't always work because sometimes they're when I'm at work or something like that and I can't do it but wherever I can I'll pick the green slot because again the van's already in your area it's just making those tiny little changes it makes no difference to me whether my food comes at 8pm or 8.30 yeah but it make a difference to the planet also on the food related note I know that neither of us eat meat anymore cutting out meat is one of the best things you can do for the environment and I'm absolutely not telling everyone to go veggie I'm all I'm suggesting is that people have one day a week that they go meat free or whatever's comfortable for you because like some of the stats for the amount of energy that is used in meat production and also the amount of methane produced by cows. This is this is what the biggest issue is, the methane produced yeah. by cows, which are reared for beef, is absolutely horrendous. And did you know a typical pig factory generates the same amount of raw waste as a city of 12,000 people? Oh, my gosh. How insane is that? Producing one hamburger uses enough fossil fuel to drive a small car 20 miles for one hamburger that you're going to eat in like two minutes. I think that's the thing. Like, I think when when people talk about the environment, the issue of diet comes up. Um, And I never want to sound like I'm preaching the vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. 
But one thing that really, really kind of pushed me and Alex over the edge in terms of saying we're going to give up meat was, and I'll try and find it because it, it was a really, really good resource and it was on the BBC and it basically went through loads of different foods and drinks and the really, really powerful one was dairy. Um, and it yeah. looked at how much energy and how much water was needed to produce these different things. But then it ranked every, all like the different food types. So you could rank the different types of milk from like hazelnut milk through to cow's milk and see the impact. This is so funny because me and my brother were looking at this this weekend because he saw that I'd bought oat milk. And he was like, did you know that out of all of the dairy replacements, oat milk is the best for the environment? I think that when the issue of diet and sustainability comes up, there's always that discussion about vegetarianism and veganism. And I think for a lot of people that can feel really kind of preachy and turns a lot of people off, which I completely understand. But I think it is a really important conversation. I think it's becoming a lot easier to do. And I think as well, people don't necessarily always realise, like I definitely didn't realise how easy it was to become vegetarian um, and to cook. Like my my diet now is majority plant-based. Um, yeah. But actually, I've, you know, it, it's been so easy for me to do. And if, if people could do that for one day a week, that has a massive impact. I think it's just making it work for your lifestyle. Because if you have meat two or three times a day, um, and you drink a lot of dairy, the idea of going vegan could seem really intense and really kind of that you're sacrificing a lot for potentially marginal gains. Whereas I think if we could compete what you're saying, if you can just do like one meat free meal a week, or one meat free day a week, that in itself has a really massive impact. Yeah. They're the little changes that are in themselves sustainable for your lifestyle. It's fine to go vegan for a week, but ultimately, if after that week you're like, I cannot do this, and you go back to how you were before, the impact you're having is going to be minimal. You're better doing something that you can keep up over a long period of time and that works for you. Yeah, definitely. And um, in relation to food as well, the, the Tesco have announced that they're going to get rid of the best before dates. Yay! I never look at a best before date. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's not growing, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous how how much food waste there is just because people see the best before and think that's the use by. Like, yeah. And I think that is just ignorance. Like A lot of people don't realise the difference and that the use by is a legal requirement, whereas the best before is like a recommendation. I think it's when big companies get behind things like that, that's when it can make such a difference. Yeah. Definitely. But I think in addition to like swaps in your diet and swaps in like your behaviour, there's also so many swaps you can make within the home that are so easy to do that don't really have an impact on your life, but have a really brilliant impact on the environment. And um, yeah. one thing we've done recently is swap our loo roll provider, which I know isn't glamorous, <laughs> um, but bear with me. So basically, I saw this ad on Instagram for a company called Who Gives a Crap? And I love that. It's, it's such a good name, isn't it? Um, they were basically saying, like, when you have loo roll, think of the fact that it's paper, it's the fact that it comes in plastic, and all of that is kind of stuff we have to dispose of, and it kind of adds to that carbon footprint. But the way they go about things is that it gets... So for a start, it gets delivered to your door, which is so useful. Um, you can order up to 48 loo rolls that get delivered to your front door. Everything's like a recycled product, which in itself is obviously great, um the like even the tubes in the loo roll are recycled and recyclable but they also donate to projects all across the world that help with poor sanitation so it's not only lovely that you're reducing your carbon footprint in a really really easy way you're making your life easier by getting your loo roll delivered to your front door but you've 
you're also helping other people in the world who don't have access to clean facilities and it, ma it makes such a difference but for us it's a really easy swap and yeah. it isn't because I my big concern is like oh I bet this is really expensive um and it actually isn't like I think when we worked it out you get so you get 48 loo rolls for 40 pounds so it's less than a pound a loo roll that is good it's worth so, making that swap yeah definitely it makes a huge difference and they do kitchen roll as well which we also ordered and they do like regular tissues and it's just little things like that that really make a difference and I think as well it's stuff like um we've just swapped our dishwasher tablet provider um to a brand that again kind of is more efficient and it doesn't test on animals and the chemicals used aren't as harmful for the environment so I'll report back on that one because we're waiting our free sample but you know it, it is all those little things that you don't necessarily know about and I think when you start having these conversations you learn about all these cool things and you're like oh brilliant yeah I mean that's like with us like in talking of little swaps we've been talking about getting I say we as if we're doing it jointly but we've, <laughs> we've, we've both been debating the idea of getting a moon cup yeah and horrified when I found out how much plastic is in a sanitary towel and I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable if that just isn't something that is either financially available to them or they just really don't like the idea of a moon cup yeah I mean absolutely and it does obviously very much depends on people and their, their own like personal choice their own cycle etc I think even if it just comes down to a practical point of view having a moon cup rather than using tampons and sanitary towels just have, having those in your bag all the time and oh god what happens if you don't have one yeah. from a practical point of view it's great but also you're cutting down on that huge amount of plastic yeah. and paper waste from using sanitary products yeah definitely and I think that's one of those things that your period happens every month and you have to deal with it to me using a moon cup isn't something that I find really intimidating it's not something that feels unachievable for me so it's just another little swap I can do that makes my life a bit better, but also really helps the environment. Yeah, plus, if you're going to use it consistently, think of all the money you're going to save because sanitary products are expensive. I was thinking about this, and say the average like box of tampons in boots or something is a quid. Within a couple of years, you've assuming you only use one box a month and you buy one type of tampon, which I think, I don't think anyone does, um, Within like a couple of years, you've you're you're saving money, but your moon cup lasts for like ten years. Yeah, and I think saying a pound for a box of tampons is cheap as well. Like that's if you yeah. can buy own brand. Like if you buy yeah. Tampax, that's like four pounds a box or something. That's like a proper little treat, isn't it? Like <laughs> you know when you get a free one in a goodie bag from somewhere, I'm like, oh, luxury! Oh, the luxury of plastic applicators. <laughs> <laughs> not the luxury they hurt the environment it's bad yes all very bad um another little swap that I know I've been super super aware of um over the past kind of year or 18 months is cutting out single-use plastics because I never I never even realized I thought I was being so good with I always have a reusable water bottle with me I always take um my lunch to work in a Tupperware and I thought that was great but there's so many other times that plastic comes into your life and you just use it once whether it is because you pick up a quick bottle of water during your day or like we've mentioned whether it's a straw or like even a even a tampon like we've just been talking about like there's so many points that plastic comes into your life and you don't realize that you've used it until you put it in the bin 
So I've been a lot more aware of trying to make those changes, even down to just buying loose like fruit and veg at the market than buying them wrapped in plastic that I'm just going to put straight into the bin. Being aware of how much use you're actually getting out of those plastics is super important. Yeah, I completely agree. I think when the law changed in the UK, and I think it was a couple of years ago now that you had to basically bring your own carrier bag or pay 5p for a bag. Yeah. Um, That to me just really highlighted how many times I would just take a carrier bag and put that straight in the bin when I got home when I really didn't need one. Yeah. And I know a lot of people complained at the time, but I think they're the kind of things where you're like, God, that really is the definition of single use plastic. And then when I started to realise that it was like, oh, but I, you know, food packaging or water bottles, like you've just said, they're the ways that you can really cut down. And like, for me, unfortunately, I can't necessarily cut down very easily on the plastic packaging on food because I have to get my food shopping delivered. And none of my local supermarkets sell loose fruit and veg. How awful is that? What? That's ridiculous. Even my, I'm going to name them shame. My local Asda, if I get a lift to my local Asda and I do a food shop in person, I still cannot buy my fruit and veg loose. What? Like, not at all. I can literally buy potatoes and apples loose. Everything else is in plastic. And when I questioned, because I asked the duty manager about it, and he was like, oh, just write to customer service. It's shocking. That's awful. Oh, my God. Really awful. So, you know, businesses have a real responsibility here to make changes. But also, if we're not making the noise about it and we're not creating the demand, they're not going to change. Yeah. Um, But then there are other things I can do to reduce my single-use plastic, like thinking about um, the packaging my food comes in. So like a lot of my gluten-free treats come in individually wrapped packets. I'm like, well, okay, yes, I, you know, I deserve a cookie or a treat or whatever, but do I need to buy them as often? And kind of rationing them a bit and finding that middle ground. Yeah, I think another good way in terms of like shopping is just cutting like you're saying just cutting down on unnecessary purchases in general and I think that also really ties in with fast fashion because that's people don't realize the impact that that's having on the environment that you're buying something because it's cheap and it's a tenner and then you wear it once or twice and then you throw it away the impact the lifespan of that one item and the impact it's had on the environment is horrendous I can't remember the number, but when I found out how many litres of water it takes to make a single pair of jeans, honestly, it's put me off of buying so many pairs of jeans. Like, I've gone to buy jeans in the past couple of months, and I've been like, actually, I don't need them. Like, until my jeans have holes in them, I'm not going to buy any more. Um, and I think it's, it is exactly that thing of when you just like, pick up an item of clothing in Topshop or Primark or wherever, you don't think about the supply chain and what it what's going to happen to get it to that point yeah and you know it's not just affordable brands it's high-end brands can be just as guilty as this and I think the the way I've kind of made my piece is like well I'm not you know I can't only shop with sustainable brands because as we've already touched on often that is a much more expensive choice yeah Um, but it's buying things that not only feel like better quality but then looking after those items as well as you can like don't hang your jumpers fold them because they won't go out of shape and you know if you've got a stain in a top try and get that stain out quickly so that you can still rewear it yeah and all those little things and washing like following washing instructions yes it might be like I've got t-shirts from Primark that I've had for four or five years because I've just looked after them yeah and 
then also saying, well, actually, is this item that I'm buying going to be something that I'm going to want to wear in two months time, two seasons time or two years time? And if it's not, then it's that question about, okay, realistically, does this need to be in my wardrobe? I've gotten a lot better at really thinking about what I'm buying and trying to only buy if it's directly replacing something that's either broken or worn or no longer fits or whatever the reason may be only if it's something that I actually need I am this is a complete shameless self-plug but I have written a couple of blog posts on how I've changed my buying habits to make them more sustainable and also buy less if anyone's interested I will leave those linked because there are quite a few different things I've done and it's been a like it's been a journey over the past couple of years, but actually now I can look back and be like, oh, I've really made a difference there, and that in itself is a really nice feeling. Um, but I think well, that's so true, and I think it is making those small changes, like we've discussed. There's so many little things that you can do in your day to day life to make sure you are living a more sustainable lifestyle, because it is all about turning though. Everyone knows about the the things that will help and will make their lifestyle more sustainable it's all about turning those intentions into good habits and I think we've both been quite nervous about having this conversation because we're not we're not we're not pros at this we don't know the ins and outs and all the statistics and what's good and what's definitely not good there's no point in people feeling nervous or unsure about this because it is a conversation that we all need to be starting and need to be having because it's such an important topic globally at the moment and it's going to be unless things change drastically very soon yeah I think it is that thing that's it's one of those big meaty topics that can feel so intimidating and so kind of like where do you start where do you start discussing it where do you start making those changes but if you can break it down a bit and say well it doesn't really matter whether or not it's scary because it's happening anyway and we all have to do something and then running it and tackling it head on and that's the way we've both found that we've been able to make some differences and of course there's more we can do and there's more we're trying to do but if you do nothing at the moment and you commit to one meat-free day a week or commit to halving how long you're in the shower for that's still going to make a huge impact overall yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think we hope that this episode has if anything just maybe given you a couple of ideas for things that you could do um if you're not already doing them or if there's things that you do um in that you integrate into your day-to-day life we would love to hear about them and Yes. them into our own lives and because th- that's the thing as well it's about again having this conversation and sharing tips and tricks with each other like we're all in this together we all live on this planet we've all got to do our bit so please do let us know if you have any tips or things that you like to do to make your lifestyle more sustainable um you can get in contact with us either via email which is 20s hard at gmail.com or you can get in touch on our Instagram page um, and you can comment on any of the photos or send in your suggestions of how we can do a little bit more to help the environment. And that is at 20s are hard. But that is it for this fortnight's episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and had something you can take away from it. And we will speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.